begin, um, just want to send um, or convey greetings from Hermanus, show for Hermanus. Um, it's not just at the sea, beautiful there. Um, we have many whales, so if you're a Jonah, um, <laughs> come to Hermanus. <laughs> but anyway, um, let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you that we can be here this evening and know that you love us. Know that you've given us your son so that we can have life. And Lord, this evening, Lord, we want to open our hearts to receive from you this life that you have given. So we pray that you bless us. We pray that you fill us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I really love the word of God. Um, And I'm not just talking about the Bible. Um, I'm talking about the person of Jesus Christ. I love the word of God. The incarnated word. And uh, I love to, to share of the reality of God. And this love of the word of God is not just the Bible, but it is Jesus. It is the incarnated word. And it's that incarnated word that we're going to share in tonight. You know, the Bible leads us to Jesus. And, and um, as I find him... As I find Jesus, I find that there is no contradiction of the word in him. And then as you pursue God through the word of God, the Bible leads you to Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you find there is no contradiction in the Bible. It's a powerful relationship. It, It actually makes Jesus, well no, Jesus makes the Bible more real. As you find him, the Bible becomes more real. It's not that the Bible makes Jesus real. Jesus makes the Bible real. And yet, Jesus is the Word of God. And you cannot separate the two. Because if you try to separate Christ from the Word of God and the Word of God from Christ, you will not find the life that is in either. But in both there is life because Christ is the Word of God, the incarnated Word. And it's through this Word that um, this evening I'm going to share with you and I trust that you will not remember my words, but you will remember His words. And that that what impacts your life will not be my words, but it will be the Word of God. Because that has life. That has life. So um, that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, I want to start off with this reality of the Word of God. That the Word leads us to Christ and Christ makes the Word real, and the Word is Christ, and the power of both. Now here in 1 John 1 verse 5, we read the following, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And this is so powerful. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines into the darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. I mean, this is so beautiful, speaking about the Word of God. And then here in verse 14 we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we see this beautiful picture that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was... 
with God and the Word was God. And everything that was created was made through Him. We, we know in the beginning God spoke. Let there be light. And it's so powerful as the Bible describes that in the beginning was the Word God, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And not only was everything that was created through the Word of God, in the Word of God is life. And I want you to understand this, I want you to see this, that not only was everything created through the Word of God, when God spoke, let there be, and there was, it's also in the Word that there is life. And this life is the light of men. And this light shines into the darkness. And darkness cannot overcome it. I mean, that's the powerful thing we all know about load shedding. (laughs) And the first thing we do, the first thing that happens when it's load shedding, what what do you experience when the power goes off? It's dark, isn't it? All of a sudden, you're busy putting the kids in bed, or you're busy eating, and all of a sudden, the power goes off, and darkness comes in. And it fills our houses. And then the first thing that we do is we look for a light. And what happens when you put on that light, whether it's a candle or a torch or a lamp, something amazing happens to the darkness. It flees. Darkness cannot overcome the light. And this is so powerful. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that was made was made through Him. In Him is life, and the life is the light of men, and it shines into the darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. Wherever the light is, darkness flees. Wherever the light is, there is life. It is the Word of God. I love the Word of God. The Word of God. And then the Word of God became flesh. The incarnated Word, Jesus Christ, and lived amongst us. And we beheld Him, the glory of the incarnated Word of God, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So I want to start off with that picture Then the word comes into the darkness for the very purpose to give life. And the word became flesh. And the word spoke and he says, here in John 10 verse 10, I have come that you may have life. And that you may have it more abundantly. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that was made was made through Him, and in Him was Life. And that life is like light that shines into the darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. And then the word of God, the the, the incarnation of the word of God, Jesus speaks these words and he says, I have come that you may have light. I have come into the darkness, into this world, into this fallen, broken, sinful world. I have come into the world that you may have life. He says, I have come that you may have life. 
and that you may have it more abundantly. It, that word abundantly means overflowing. It means something that cannot be contained. It, it, it is, it's like filling a, 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 a bucket full of water to the rim and they're not stopping filling it. It starts to overflow. It's not just I've come to give your life to the full. I've come to give you life that overflows, that cannot be contained, that, that cannot be measured. This is the life that God brings. This is the life that God brings. And then the word of God, Christ, makes this invitation into the darkness that he came into. He makes this invitation here in John chapter 7. On the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. Isn't that powerful? Yeah, the word of God stands up and speaks and it says, Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Come to me. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And, and Jesus is not speaking here about a natural thirst. He's speaking about not just a thirst for water. He's speaking here about a thirst for life. Because he is life. And he has come to give life. And he speaks to us in this dark, sinful, broken world. And he says, if anyone is thirsty for life, come to me. And you will have life that cannot be contained. And we've all been there, this thirst for life. We've all been there from, and we all get there from time to time because we live in this fallen, broken, sinful world. And, and we get exposed to, to this world in this darkness that we find ourselves in. We live in this broken, fallen world, driven by the lust of the eye and of the flesh for stuff to satisfy the self-centered it's fallen sinful nature with stuff that, that cannot really satisfy. This, this is the world that we live in, broken, fallen, and, and, and there's such a drive by the lust of the eye and the flesh to fill ourselves with stuff that cannot really satisfy. And, and as we in this process, we, we face these challenges. And the pressure and the fear and the disappointments and the loss and the stress in this world. And we have been trained in this world by our sinful broken nature how to respond to these pressures, to these needs, to these fears and these um, wants and the stresses. How, how, to, how to respond to these things. And we've all been trained by it to respond in a certain way. The, 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 the fear of lack, the fear of death. The self-preservation, and it drives us in a certain way. This world drives us. We've been trained from the day we were born in the sinful world to respond to these things, and it drives us in a certain way. We are so desperately seeking to satisfy this emptiness in ourselves, and we try to do it with stuff that cannot really satisfy, and we find ourselves in the spiral of becoming more and more desperate to try and fill ourselves with the stuff in this world. And inevitably, in this process, we run empty. And we become thirsty. We become thirsty for life. And it's here where Jesus speaks. He says, all who are thirsty, 
Come to me. Come to me. That is the, the invitation. And in the midst of this fallen reality, God speaks. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the midst of this fallen world and its sinfulness and its brokenness, the light shines. God comes and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Because the life that I give will never run dry. Like light shining into the darkness, completely different to what we know in this self-centered broken world, Christ speaks. And that is the, the, the reality, but also the challenge of Jesus, because when he speaks, it is so different to what we experience in this world. When, when Jesus leads, where he leads, is completely different to the world. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you start to follow Jesus, it's like it's 180 degrees in the opposite direction to where the world is going. And it doesn't always make sense in this fallen world. It's like we try to satisfy ourselves by what we know here. And God says, but this is life. And in this pursuit of trying to satisfy ourselves with stuff in this world, we run empty. And it's this place that God is speaking to us tonight, I believe. It's like the Sumerian woman. Remember the Sumerian woman that came to the well? In the middle of the day, and there was Jesus sitting in the shade, waiting for his disciples as they went to the, to the city to buy him some food. Because he was weak and weary, and he was resting in the shade. And they left him there as, he was, as they were going into the city. And in the middle of the day, there came a woman. Now, women didn't come to the wells in the middle of the day. They didn't come in the heat of the, night, of the day. They came early in the morning. There's a reason why this woman came all on herself in the middle of the day to that well. She had a reputation. And she came to a well because she was thirsty. And she brought a pot with her to fill it with water to satisfy her, her thirst. She came to an earthly well to be satisfied. But she came to that well every single day. Because after every day she got thirsty again. And she had to come to this, to this earthly well to try and find satisfaction, to try and find something that will satisfy this thirst in her. And, and as she came to this well, she, she met Jesus. And they had this, this interaction. And it's amazing. I don't have time to read the story because I've got this white thing that's sticking off. <laughs> but you must read the story, and I'm sure you know this. But I just want us to, at the crux of everything, Jesus spoke to her. And then Jesus said to her, Whoever drinks of this water, speaking of the well, this earthly well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Isn't this powerful? This is the word of God. This is the life. Everything that was created was created through him. And he is like light coming into the darkness. And he speaks and he speaks to this woman. He says, you are coming to an earthly well to be satisfied. You are looking for something that will satisfy you. But what I give you will satisfy you 
for eternity. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. And if you are thirsty for life, that is what God promises. If you are here today and you are thirsty for life, this life that Jesus speaks about, this life of abundance, this life of, this life of love, of joy, of peace, that cannot be contained, that overflows. If you are hungry and thirsty for life, I'm not talking about thirst for water, I'm talking about a thirst for life. If you are thirsty for life, this is what God promises. Because He is the source of life. He is the source of life. So I want to encourage you this evening, if you're thirsty for life, go to the source. Don't go to an earthly well. Because that will never really satisfy you. If you're thirsty for life, go to the source of life, which is God Himself. He is the source of life. Go to the source. Spend time with Him. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in His presence. And you will find this water that He gives. It's found in His Word. It is found in His presence. It is not found in this world. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy you. It's only found in Him. And if you diligently seek Him, you will find Him. You will find Him. It's so powerful in, in, in the scripture that says that if we diligently seek Him, we will find Him. You know, some people relate to God as if, you know, we are in complete darkness in a stadium. We have a stadium just there somewhere. There. There. <laughs> Imagine yourself being in a stadium that is completely dark and you cannot even see your hand in front of your face. And many people think searching for God is like trying to find God in a stadium that is completely blacked out. That you cannot even see your hand before your face. Well, God, and, and, and that this process of finding God is like in the darkness. I'm walking through the stadium searching for Jesus. Somewhere here I'm going to find Him. Well, God says, if you diligently seek me, I will step in front of you. If you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you will be satisfied. If you diligently seek God, He will step right in front of you. So stop drinking from the water that is in this world. And search for Him, the source of life. And when you find Him, life will never be the same again. The woman came with a water pot to an earthly well because she was thirsty. And it wasn't just a natural thirst. If you read that account, Jesus asked her a question. A very potent question. Because she was thirsty for more than just water. She was thirsty for something. She already had five husbands and she was with another man. The sixth man in her life, and it wasn't, and she was not married. Because she was thirsty for something. She was thirsty for love. She was thirsty for acceptance. She came with a water pot to an earthly well 
And Jesus spoke into her life. It changed her life completely. She was thirsty for love and acceptance. She was thirsty for life. And she could not find it in this world. But when she met the source of life, her life was changed forever. And it's so powerful to read here in verse 28. It says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. Isn't that powerful? She came with, an, with a water pot to an earthly well because she was looking for something that would satisfy her. But when she found Jesus, she left the pot. And she went back into the city. And, and, and she said to the men there, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Come, could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. Isn't that powerful? But isn't it so interesting that she says, and if you read the story, if you read the account, we don't have time to go into that, but if you read the account, she said, this man told me everything I ever did. And all that Jesus did was to ask her a simple question. Go and bring me your husband. And she answers, he said, I have no husband. And she said, truly you have said you have no husband because you, have five, you had five already and the one that you're with is not your husband either. Jesus looked right through her and saw her real need for life, for acceptance, for love. That is what she was hungry for. That is what she was thirsty for. And then she met the source of life, and her life was never the same. Her life was never the same. I want, to, I want to encourage you here this evening, if you are thirsty for life, you have not just come to this place, this is not just an earthly well, you have come to this place, and the source of life is here. It's not found in this building, it is found in who is present here. And if you're thirsty for life, you're thirsty for life. He makes this invitation. He says, come to me. I'm going to stop here for a moment. Because I know there's some of you that are thirsty for life. And I want us just to close our eyes. Just for a moment. Just close our eyes. If you are thirsty for life. And you've been going to earthly wells to try and satisfy that thirst. God is making the invitation to come to me. If you're here tonight and you're thirsty and you want to come to the source of eternal life, you want to drink from that source of living water. I just want you to respond by just raising your hand. If you're thirsty for life and you want to drink of it, just respond where you're sitting. Just say, God, here I am. Lord, I want to respond to that. I thank you for those hands. Anybody else? If you're thirsty for life, Father, I want to thank you as the rain is falling outside. Thank you for that hand. You can drop it again. Thank you for that hand. As the rain is falling outside, you are saying, 
all who are thirsty. Come to me. Come to me. Thank you, God, that you are here today as the source of life, of eternal life. And whosoever drinks of you will never be thirsty again. And I want us to continue because some of us here this, you can open your eyes, some of us here this evening, you are drinking from the wrong well. You are thirsty, but you are drinking from the wrong well. You're coming to these earthly wells time after time, and you're trying to satisfy your thirst from the wrong well. Jesus says here in 1 John 2, He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It's so powerful if you read this portion of Scripture, if you go back to the beginning of it, you, you see this, this concept. We've heard it so many times. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's so interesting if you read this in Greek. The word love in English is there three times. Do not love the world or things in the world. For those who love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. Do not love the world and the things of the world. For if you love the world, the love of the Father. It's two different words in Greek. The first two of loving the world and the things of the world. It is in Greek. I actually wrote it down here. It's agapu. Agapu literally means to love the love of person or of things. So the word of God says do not love the love of things. Agapu. Do not agapu this world or the things in the world. Because if you agapu this world, then the agape of the Father is not there. He says, do not agapu the world and the things in the world. Because those who, la- who agapu the world, the agape of the Father is not in the world. God is saying, He's not just saying don't love the world and the things in the world because they are temporal and they're passing away and, and, and God is eternal. He's actually saying do not find your satisfaction in the things of the world because if you find your satisfaction in the things of the world, the love of the Father is not there. We know the word agape so well. It is the unconditional, uncontainable, overflowing Love of God. And God is saying, do not try to find your satisfaction in this world because the love of God is not in the world. And many people think we shouldn't love the world and the things in the world because it's going to burn, it's going to pass away, but it is far greater than that because you will not find your satisfaction there. 
And some of us here this morning, I believe God is saying and He's speaking to us and He says, you are drinking from the wrong fountain. You are trying to find your satisfaction in the world. But my love is not here. It's not found here. It is fine in me. We access the source of life through faith. But what I've discovered is that love is the conduit of life. We get to this fountain of living water through faith. But the conduit that scoops this life out of it. The conduit, the the vessel is love. It's the pipe through which the life flows. And we have a choice where we plug it in. We can either plug our life into the world or we can plug our love into God. So if we plug our love into the world, it will determine what flows through it. And if we plug our love into God, it will determine what flows through it. And God says, don't plug yourself into the world because what flows out of that is not what you're looking for. Plug your love into me and have the life that you so thirst for. And some of us here tonight, I really believe God is just saying to us, you plugged into the wrong well. Plug yourself into me. You see, the challenge is you cannot plug yourself into two places. You're either going to plug yourself into the world or you're going to plug yourself into God. You're either going to love the world or you're going to love God. You cannot plug into two places. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. God and mammon. God and possessions. This is interesting, this Greek word of mammon, it literally means possessions. Money. What is you cannot find life in both. This world tries to find life through possessions and wealth. God says, Don't love this world because life is not there. I am the source of life. And there's some of us here this evening, God is challenging us. You plugged into the wrong well. Plug yourself into me. I just want us to close our eyes for a moment. This evening God is speaking to some of us about our first love. Our first love. And God is is gently wooing you back. He says, I am the source of life. If you are thirsty, come to me. Unplug yourself from the world and plug yourself back into me. If that is you here this evening, I just want you to respond to God.
God is making an invitation to unplug you from the world and plug you back into Him. If that is you, I just want to respond by just raising your hand. Say, God, here I am, God. I want you to restore my first love. Thank you for those hands. You can drop them. But I just want you to respond. Just If that is you, just, just respond to God as He's making this invitation. He says, I am the source of life. I am the source of life. Do not try to find life in this world. Restore the first love. And I want us to open our eyes. And The last thing that I believe God laid, laid on my heart was found in Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30 where Jesus makes another invitation. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a powerful invitation. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And as I, as I received this word on Friday during the worship, I, I was just going again. I, and I was meditating on this and I was praying through this. And again I went back to the Greek and it's so powerful. This word, labor, all you who labor. Opio is the Greek word, if I pronounce it correct. But it literally means to feel fatigue, to work hard, to be wearied. All who feel fatigue through hard work and are wearied. It literally means to grow weary, tired, exhausted with toil or burdens or grief. God is making the invitation, I believe, this evening to all who are weary, who are exhausted from work or burden or grief. God is seeing the yoke that you are carrying and He is making an invitation all who are exhausted and heavy laden. It literally means in Greek, heavy laden means to load something up to the point where it's too much. All who are weary, fatigued from carrying a burden that is too heavy. Jesus is making an invitation, come to me. And I will give you rest. Come to the source. Come to the source. I will give you rest. And then he goes on and he says, take my yoke. This is how we do this. Take my yoke 
upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light this evening God is seeing the yoke that you're carrying you know what a yoke is? a yoke is is that what you put between two oxen it's an instrument of labor that you put two oxen together to work together. It's something you carry on your shoulders. You know how a yoke looks? That piece of wood with the two little beams going down that you put over the ox to keep them together to work. And Jesus is saying, you are carrying stuff that you are not meant to carry. That is wearing you down through toil or burden or grief, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to God and He will give you rest. And then he speaks about the fact that we are carrying a yoke. And this evening I want to ask you this question, whose yoke are you carrying? Whose yoke are you carrying? Whether it's spiritually or emotionally. But if you're fatigued and weary, especially if it's in the ministry, I, I just sense there's somebody that are weary and fatigued from your work in the faith. Whether it is in your relationship with God or in your service with God. But for somebody specific here, the question is, whose yoke are you carrying because Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. And if you are weary, if you are fatigued, if you are laden up too much, if there is too much that you are trying to do to gain the favor of God, whether it's through religion or through performance, you are wearing the wrong yoke. It's not Jesus' yoke. And maybe you are here and you are emotionally and spiritually coming to your end. You are carrying too much. It is not his yoke that you're carrying. And he's inviting you. He's inviting you to make an exchange. It's an invitation to come to him. If you are heavy laden, you are not carrying Christ's yoke. And he wants to make an exchange for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. Not from the world. The world has placed a lot of burdens. A lot of expectations. A lot of fear. A lot of uncertainty. A lot of pressure. And Jesus is saying, that's the wrong yoke you're carrying. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. It's an invitation to come to him. How do we do this? We make an exchange. It's an exchange that's taking place. One yoke for the other. One that is wearing you down. One that is heavy laden, that is building up, that you cannot carry. And Jesus says you must make an exchange from one yoke to the other. 
It's first of all something that we need to realize when Jesus invites you to come to Him. He's not just saying, I'm going to take off your yoke. He's saying, I'm going to exchange it for something else. He put His yoke on our shoulders. And then He says, learn from Me. Come to Me and make an exchange. And I'm going to put My yoke on you. And I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you to walk without being weary. I'm going to teach you. And the way he teaches is an invitation to learn from him. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. I'm not a hard task driver. I'm not a hard master. I'm not inconsiderate. I do not expect too much that you cannot do. But I am gentle and I am humble in heart. You must come to me. What I have for you is not hard. The burden is not hard. The yoke, it's not difficult. It's easy. But you must come to me. You must trust me. Exchange. Make an exchange of this yoke you're carrying in this world that is wearing you down, that is eating you, slowly but surely, the pressure, the stress, the uncertainty. Jesus is saying, it's the wrong yoke you're carrying. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come learn from me. His yoke is easy. It is His way of life. It's not difficult. And His burden speaks about His work. His burden is light. And for so many people, it is so difficult when you're in this world and you're part of this world and you're under the pressure and the expectations of this world and what you must do and how you must do it. And then there's this invitation when, when, when light comes into the darkness, which is completely different to this world. And we see where Jesus is going is completely the opposite to the way the world is going. What the world says will lead to riches, what will lead to fulfillment and satisfaction and life. The wealth, the fame, the popularity and everything that it teaches us that this is the way to have life. Jesus goes the opposite way and it teaches completely something different. And it's 180 degrees and and Jesus makes this invitation and we are afraid. We're sometimes afraid of what it's going to cost to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, (laughs) my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Make an exchange. And I will teach you. I am gentle. And humble at all. I want us just to close our eyes. For the last time. The reason why Jesus' yoke is easy and light. Is because you're yoked with him. You are yoked together with Him. The reason it's easy and light is because you're not carrying this alone. Because He's the one that is carrying the weight. And therefore it's easy and light. And He's making an invitation. He says, all are thirsty. If you are thirsty for life, come to me. If you're plugged into this world, 
He's calling you back to him. He says, come to me. Restore the first love. You are drinking from the wrong well. And for some of us here, he's saying, the weight that you're carrying is not yours to carry. If you're here this evening and you are heavy laden, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you are carrying a weight that is too heavy. And you are fatigued. Jesus is making an invitation. He says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. And if that is you and you want to make that exchange, God is making this invitation. And while all the eyes are closed, I just want you to raise your hand and say, God, I want, to, I want to respond to this invitation. Lord, I want to take up your yoke. I want to make an exchange. Thank you for those hands. I want to make an exchange, God. This yoke that I'm carrying is way too heavy for me. Lord, it is wearing me down, Lord. And today, Lord, I want to respond to your invitation for an exchange. God, I'm going to exchange this yoke for your yoke. Lord, I'm going to ask you to teach me as I come in alongside you what it means to be yoked with you and what your burden is. Christ's burden is his heart, is his passion. It's his heart and passion for the lost. And he says, come to me. I will teach you.